The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As you begin your spiritual journey, you are often told what to do and receive advice on which path to follow. But as you move along, eventually you need to become your own guide. Progress can be difficult at times, but once you reach new levels of awareness, the inner vistas are spectacular. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your guide and companion is Giles Asselin. Come join us now on this path of exploration. Here is your host, Giles Asselin. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Jill. Welcome or welcome back to episode number 12 of uh, Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Thank you again for being here today or for listening on demand. I wanted to wish you maybe a little late but a happy spring or happy fall if you're living in the southern hemisphere. Today feels a bit more like spring. I think much more than it felt or it looked like a a week ago. And... um, One reason for this, I guess, we go along with the flow of nature and uh, flowers are starting to bloom. I mean, in many places, but certainly in front of our garden, uh, the crocuses are back and they are open, white, yellow and blue, light blue, almost purple. So I wanted to share that with you. It's it's beautiful and it's uh, a reason for for being uh, both grateful and happy. And it's, um, it's spring. And so, today the question of the day, if I may call it that way, or the question of the week, that was given one, once again by my friend Jean Mavrilis in, in the Chicago area. He says, but then what are we if, we are not, if not our thoughts? And um, this was in response, as I quoted last week, um, a, person, a person's uh, words called Michael Singer, who said, there is nothing more important to true growth than realizing that you are not the voice of the mind. You are the one who hears it, who hears the voice of the mind. If you don't understand this, you will try to figure out which of the many things the voice says is really you. People go through so many changes in the name of trying to find myself or trying to find themselves. They want to discover which of these voices, which of these aspects of their personality is where they really are. And the answer is very simple, none of them. So, if we are not the mind, what are we? Uh, um, To me, it's obvious that we are bigger than our minds. And I I came across with the the metaphors or possibly the advice of looking at the mind from the outside and... um, and being like the observer, I think that's what I mentioned a couple of times, three or four shows again, uh, ago. And I think it, to me, it's, it, it works. I mean, I gave you a meditation uh, about three shows ago about, um, you know, three-day meditation about um, something we do with wisdom, transcendent wisdom on the, on the second day, altruistic thought on the first day. 
And something else on the second day, which was uh, very helpful to me three or four years ago to look at the mind. And so the other question that comes up is, you know, if we can look from the mind from the outside, who is it that is looking? Who is it that is observing what goes into the mind, into our minds? And I find that a a very interesting question. Um, I'm not going to get into that today, but... um, you know, one of the questions that comes up naturally is, is it the soul? Is it our soul uh, watching the mind? And honestly, I don't know. I know there's something called the soul that is driving us. I think it's driving us in our spiritual journey, in our spiritual progress, uh, and not so much in our day-to-day material um, uh, life. Um, we need both, again, to be, to be balanced in our lives and to, to evolve and to grow. Um, but even if the, if, if the soul and the mind are being balanced within us, you know, who is this person called us? And who is looking at the soul? Who is looking at the mind? And who is looking at the balance between the soul and the mind? I think these are, these are very interesting questions. And, but my, my thinking, which has been going on in this area for, for, for some time, maybe a year or two, comes from my studying and my learning about cultures. And I was wondering, what is this thing called mind? And something that has been, you know, bugging me for a while is the fact that in French, we don't have a word for mind. And maybe the closest would be esprit, which called back, translated back into English is spirit. And you would agree with me that spirit and, and mind are two different um, entities or two different things. And I, I checked also the German translation, and it's very similar to French. You can talk about the mind, or you can use an expression about the mind, and you translate it either in German or in French in a very contextual manner. Just to give you an, expression, uh, an example, uh, you can say in English, this person is losing her mind. In French, it becomes, this person is losing her head. And the head is not the mind. You know, you would think in many most of the time that the mind is within the head. Is it? I have no idea. And it's interesting that I'm saying this because uh, my mother is really losing her mind and her mind, I'm using the English word here, is playing tricks on her. These are not very, very big tricks, but um, something is not functioning quite right, assuming you know a person with full mental health and just to give you an example of what, what happened, about two or three weeks ago, she was convinced that me and my family were in France visiting and staying at my brother's. And so she called me on my cell instead of the landline. And, and a couple of times we talked and she said, uh, are you well set up in your new, settled in your new environment? And I didn't realize what he was talking about until I talked to my brother. And she was, she was convinced. She was talking to her cousins. We have cousins in the eastern part of France. And he said, yeah, they had, a good fi- they had a good flight and they arrived safe and sound. And now they are in France talking about the three of us. And, and it's interesting that it is happening at this time in, in, when I talk about the mind. Because, you know, what is in in us, not so much in the mind, that is causing those disturbances. And um, I wonder, you know, it's, it's interesting. Another example also that my brother mentioned to me two days ago, she was convinced that she was talking about neighbors we had in our neighborhood where I grew up, where my brother and I grew up. 
40 years ago, people who passed, passed away a long, long time ago. And she was saying to my brother that one of the, the, the male in the couple was holding our son. And our son is five years old, almost. And so it's interesting how the notion of obviously time and space is, cont- is contained within our mind. And sometimes um, we get confused about the present notions of time and space. When I talk to my mother about what happened in our childhood, for instance, 30 or 40 years ago, she's extremely clear and she has such sharp memory about anecdotes and, and funny ones. She, ha- she has memory and she, she has a funny sense of humor, uh, talking about well, the kind of mischief my, my grandfather our father was doing um, at home. I won't tell you what it was, but um, very interesting. And, and so, you know, this is a very interesting... Um, I would almost call the mind a machine, a machine and um, an instrument. Obviously, I would think, um, I would believe that the thoughts are coming from our minds. But again, um, maybe it's simply the head. I don't, I don't know. And to give you yet another example uh, of what culture does to it, I've been talking about this uh, on and off. It's not the purpose of the show, but I think it brings a, a very interesting perspective when you see how different cultures approach different things. And the mind is a very important one that we obviously take for granted. And, and, and a very example, a very good example of how some things, some concepts do not translate from one culture to the other. And the two cultures I know best is the US and France and American English and French. And there are some concepts that do not translate one way or do not translate the other way. Uh, and we, I have examples both ways in, in French and English, between French and English. And I will give you only one, um, which is also a very interesting one that has to do with people's attitude and behavior. And you would think that, I don't know if you've ever been to France, there's maybe many French people listening tonight, and uh, French people tend to be reserved at first when you meet them, you know, when you don't know the people in front of you, you tend to be somewhat reserved. You know, you don't share as much. I mean, the kind of topics you would talk about are very different from what you would talk in the U.S. about in the U.S. And that's the way it is, I guess. There's different ways to describe this, and there's different ways to, to also judge that based on your own frame of reference. And what I found very, very interesting since the beginning of me working in the field of cross-cultural relations is that in, in French, we don't have a word for privacy. Privacy being so important to just about anyone on earth, there is no word for privacy in French. And again, as I said earlier on today, depending on what you're talking about, the kind of privacy you're talking about, uh, you have a different contextual translation in France. So it could be quiet time, it could be peace, it could be intimacy, it could be different kind of things. And the anecdote I wanted to mention is, is about the opening of Disneyland in Paris. I believe it's, uh, it was in 1991. It's uh, outside Paris, about 40, 50 miles east of Paris. And at the beginning, the, the, the top, most of the management of the park was American. And they were, go, they were going according to Disney rules and Disney uh, management practices. And there are some very stringent rules when it, or codes of um, behavior when it came to employee, you know, the way the employee were dressed, a, a dress code. And, um, and for instance, I think the men couldn't wear boxers. 
Uh, they couldn't have a mustache. They couldn't uh, wear a beard. And I think there were rules for women as well. I don't know exactly which ones. And the French employees were very upset. And I would think any French person working in France in this kind of environment would be very upset. And the first reaction was, let's go see the unions and, and, and discuss our, you know, our, our reaction and our point of view. And then the unions obviously recorded what uh, the employees were saying, and the unions being French, they, they obviously understood because, again, they are on the same uh, frame of reference. And they went to, to the Disney top management, American top management, and they were describing uh, what happened to the feelings and the reaction of those peoples being faced with those roles. And they said it was to them an attack on human dignity, an attack on human dignity, which would be summed up so easily in English, at least in American English, by it's an invasion of privacy in the workplace, an invasion of your privacy in the workplace. So though based on my frame of reference, based on my, what I would call my worldview, this invasion of privacy in the workplace suddenly becomes an attack on human dignity. And I'm sure the American management of Disney, I don't know the end of the story, except many things change, but we're flabbergasted, we're floored by the French employees' reaction. First, they wouldn't understand that it wasn't acceptable, a lack of cultural um, understanding. But, you know, why would you react about bringing up your, your, your human dignity to the, to the front? I mean, it's a very strange reaction, I'm sure, for, for American management from... It's not a concept well, um, well understood here in the U.S. when the privacy in the workplace doesn't make much sense in France. And then though many um, U.S. and English and British companies are operating in France. But uh, just to give you an example of, of this kind of tr cultural translation you need to do, there, there, there's, um, again, a disturbance in the middle somewhere. And if you don't pay attention to what culture does to us... Um, then you're up for trouble, trouble, surprises, misunderstandings, and, and that sort of things. And getting back to this, um, to this question of the mind, you know, what does it mean if I don't have a word in French or possibly in German? I'm no longer fluent in German, but possibly in German or French, you don't have a word to talk about the mind. What does it mean about your worldview? We have the word thought in, in French, pensée, in pensée. Um, but the mind, you know, the mind. So, so I would think that the, you know, the seat of our thoughts is, is simply the brain. Because in my worldview, I don't know what a mind is. And yet this expression is so, I'm sure, so well, many expressions. The mind, your manners, for instance. Um, you would say in French, fais attention, you know, be careful about instead of mind your manners. And again, um, the list goes on, you know, like a concept which is also so popular in the U.S. I've read so many things about mindfulness. And what am I supposed to do with being mindful? Being mindful, I could tell in, in my French mindset, is more like being present or being, being careful about what I say. Or, yeah, being present makes a lot of sense. You know, I know what I'm saying because I pay attention to what I'm saying or what I'm listening to. Mindfulness, what is this kind of thing? Where does it come from? So that's what I wanted to bring because I think it's an important um, distinction, if you want, but it, an important um, point of clarification.
um, that we are not our minds, that's for sure. Um, what else can I say? It's very, it's very, to use a, it's very mind-boggling that, uh, you know, this kind of thing happens. Some people can talk about their minds and all that goes along with it, and some others cannot. And, um, and the other thought that came along, you know, if this, um, if this mind thing doesn't really exist, or only exists in English-speaking countries, is the brain only a conduit? And how do things work? How do thoughts come into fruition? Where do they come from, I guess? Do they really come from some part in our brain? It, it looks like it, but I don't know of any scientist that has been able to, to catch a thought, to catch a thought in action. I've never heard of anything like that. So I'm very, I'm very perplexed. I'm very puzzled about the whole thing. And it's, uh, again, it's part of my questioning. It's maybe why the reason from the question from my friend um, Jean was so interesting to me. But um, I wanted to share this with you. I think, uh, again, I'm not going to answer the question about the mind. It doesn't serve a purpose to answer the, what, what the mind is. But I'm sure that there's many different uh, ways to approach it, depending on how you look at it. And um, that's what I wanted to share with you again, because this is my... Um, this is my spelunking, not so much of the moment, and, and no real clear explanation came to, came to mind. Mais venu à l'esprit, you would say in French, came to my spirit in French, you know. And um, that's where I will leave it again. Um, I realize that we are much more than our thoughts, and something happened to, to us at house, um, to us this morning outside, outside, that I will be sharing... Um, Right, I think in the third segment, and uh, I want to talk some more about thinking and not so much our thoughts because we are again much more than that. But um, I want to talk about the thinking process. What what goes on in the thinking process? And again, uh, I will talk in the next segment. I will talk about how we're being conditioned into thinking a certain way, and. Um, that is interesting to me also. How can we accept that? That uh, is good to think a certain way. I'm, I'm not talking about only the, the information you absorb, the content, but also the way you approach the information, I guess. Um, and another company that comes to mind is Disney. And I, I will, um, uh, they're, they're, they're putting together a workshop in our neighborhood that's going to take place uh, at our gym on June 2nd. And that's, I, I saw it this week and I was very very not interested is not the word but I think I questioned the way it was framed and uh, I will share that with you very soon so thank you very much become our friend on Facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice America now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. 
Are you looking to advance spiritually? Listen each week for Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom. Your host, Medium Maureen Allen, will cover an array of spiritual topics aimed to help you advance your soul's desired growth. Each week, areas of spirituality will be discussed and explored ranging from strange, paranormal experiences to heaven, spirit guides, and angels. To learn more about the other dimensions and how to better assist your path of evolution, tune into Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom, every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giles Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Yes, good afternoon again. Uh, this is Jill. Welcome back. Welcome back, and thank you very much for, for listening. I'm happy you're here today. Um, in the first segment, I was talking about this mind thing. Um, what is this thing called the mind? Apparently, it is, um, again, if I use my English understanding of it, it's, it's something that allows us to, to think and to process uh, information in both an objective and a, and a subjective way. Um, and what I wanted to talk about, like I said, um, some schools, some corporations, some maybe university level, you know, are teaching us or taught us when we went to school, to those schools, how to think. And I find this very interesting. Um, in, in France, in the first place, um, like it's almost like an appetizer to, to, the, to this topic, there's a very famous uh, approach that... Um, that uh, students learn at a course something called the Grand École, which has uh, institutions of higher learning, usually uh, when you get there around the age of 20. Um, and they, they learn about the, the, an approach to any kind of problem called the thesis, antithesis, and then synthesis. synthesis. And uh, you can summarize it the other way, like the pros, the cons, and, and eventually the, your, your approach and what is it that you're picking. Uh, but it's highly based, you know, it's not only a question of, of saying what you think, it's also a highly based on, on reasoning, and reasoning skills, and what is your approach, and, and if you discard one approach, uh, why, on, on what basis do you do it? So it could take uh, a very long time to come to a, a conclusion, uh, to come to um, a solution if it's a problem. Uh, and it Again, talking about cultural frame of reference, I think it works very well in France because many people at the highest level in, in society, in both government and, and corporations, French corporations, think the same way. And they've been to the same schools, so their brain, in a sense, is formatted, is molded, is being shaped. It's interesting that, that the brain, when we dissect it, it's like a muscle, in a sense, but, you know, we can we can format it, we can mold it into thinking a certain way. So, like, obviously, that's the way the neurons um, within the brain are being um, 
attached or connected. So this is one way of thinking. And, uh, and again, it's, I don't know if it's always very practical, but it works fairly well. It's fairly well understood by a majority of people in France. And you mentioned one of these three things, you know, what's your antithesis? I mean, people will uh, clearly state their arguments against uh, a solution or against uh, a choice. And this week I was, we were at the gym and they were advertising a workshop by the Disney Corporation. And the title of the, corp uh, the, title of the workshop was um, Learn How to Think Like Disney. And I thought to myself, it's interesting, uh, I know it tiny bit. I've been to their website once and twice a long time ago about Disney and the way they think and especially the way they manage their activities, their parks and you would think that um, things are very are very well oiled, very are working very well, very smoothly. Uh, it's what you see on the surface. Uh, what you don't see obviously if you haven't attended uh, a workshop like this or if you haven't if you're not an employee of this you don't see how the, the formatting process the molding process is uh, ensured in sex in this is um, is brought forward and 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 my question when I look at that I think it was uh, you know it became a little perplexed what do I really want to think like the way Disney thinks uh, because yes, it might be very efficient, it may be very rational, it may work very well, but at the same time, I'm a little concerned that it's uh, what I would call the tunnel thinking. You know, you know this expression, tunnel vision, when we all look into the same direction and there's, hopefully there's light at the end of the tunnel, to use another expression, but we don't look right, we don't look left, we don't look above, we don't look below. And that's my, I guess, with the little bit of information I have about Disney practices, that's the impression that I have, that there's only one way to think like Disney and that you can, in a sense, um, sums up, you know, uh, what works in terms of thinking, in terms of planning, in terms of managing into one way of, of doing things. And, and um, again, I was a little concerned and, and, um, and that was it. But... Um, Again, it's interesting that we're talking about the mind, we're talking about thoughts, and we're talking about so-called agents in society, be they the government, or be they the schools, or be they private institutions in corporations that teach us how to think. And my second question is that, you know, does all of this, if we go into this kind of tunnel thinking, does all of this, you know, serves us on our spiritual journey? Um, what I'm really advocating is, is spiritual spelunking uh, for just all of us. Uh, the way you do it, again, is really up to you. I can't tell what works best for you. I'm not you, and you know best what works and what doesn't work, what attracts you. I mean, what's, what do you, that you enjoy? Do you enjoy doing yoga, doing meditation, doing prayers, uh, attending service, talking to people, uh, doing a Bible study or Torah study? I don't know. Again, um, there's so many different ways, I mean, to go about uh, our lives in the world. I mean, there's more than 7 billion people on earth, and I think there, there's more than 7 billion spiritual paths. I, I clearly believe that, that each of our path is very unique and we are here on earth for, for a reason which is only our own reason. And so, again, my questioning was around this, um, this I don't know if I call it free will, but at least a free, a free exploration, the way we explore the world 
spiritually speaking, you know, uh, does this kind of, of um, thinking, of uh, tunnel thinking, goes against uh, the principles of spiritual spelunking? And um, again, that's my my question in that kind that came that came up, and that's what I wanted to to share with you. And I think it's very interesting that it came up right at the time when I'm talking about the mind, and when I'm exploring these um, these fluctuating things called thoughts. And a very similar thing, um, a very similar pattern, in a sense. Um, uh, thinking of reflecting for me occurred on when I was on Facebook this past few days, and I saw um, I saw a sign like a poster about Lee Kuan Yew. Lee Kuan Yew is a former prime minister of Singapore. I think he was prime minister in um, in the nineties for sure, possibly the eighties. I think he was a prime minister for a very long time, and um, he did great things for Singapore. I think Singapore being such a strong um, economic power has a lot, um, has a lot to, to owe um, Mr. Lee Kuan Yew for what he did. And uh, if you go to Singapore, I go there usually about once a year. I go through Singapore once or twice a year, I mean, at the same time. Um, and it's a very vibrant society from the, from the outside. And um, no, he was saying in this poster there was a few words for him that um, you know, he had given his life to Singapore. And I'm sure that the people of Singapore are very grateful for that. And the same kind of, of reaction of thinking came to mind. You know, there, there's great things in Singapore, but there's also what I call a lot of tunnel thinking. It, like people tend to be um, formatted in a sense. You know, again, it, ga- it goes to the way our brain is being, our thoughts, our, our thinking machine is being formatted, is being molded. And, and, um, in a sense, I can see some similarity between Singapore and Disney, that behind all of this, behind all these processes that are very rational, that are very efficient, that bring you know, great economic results, um, I can see a very similar process of, again, tunnel thinking um, and asking people to go along by the same, by the same rules, by the same uh, codes, by the same um, reactions. And they look into the tunnel, but they look into only one direction. They don't seek for themselves what, you know, help them grow. Um, that's really what came to mind. And, and we have a lot to be grateful for a number of leaders that are pushing the world uh, forward. But too often, I think, that the way we assess this, this moving forward or this moving upward has to do with economic uh, standards. So we're talking about GDP, you know, gross domestic um, product, and how the economy is growing, inflation, these kind of things, you know, standards of living. But where is the spiritual in all of this? And uh, is the spiritual really acknowledged? That's the kind of question I'm asking. And I've heard so many, you know, instances that, you know, during all these years, in the past centuries, it was mostly about the rational thinking, economic standards, uh, industrial revolution, revolution, and there was so little space, uh, so little um, nourishment, in a sense, giving to given to the spirit, given to the soul, and and perhaps now is a different time. It's a time to think about that, and uh, and a time to think about. Um, what really nourishes us, you know, is making um, 
$100 more a year or a month, sorry, on our paycheck. It's helpful. Um, it helps us buy a few things, but does it really nourish us, spiritually speaking? It's the kind of, um, it's the kind of question I'm asking. And the second point, I've been, I've been related to that, related to this tunnel thinking. Uh, a second point that I, that I heard so often, uh, we're moving from an age of pieces, um, it's a gradual uh, move, it's a gradual uh, change, into an age called Aquarius. And it's, it's, an, a it's an age where the, the, the feminine uh, energy will prevail. And what essentially the feminine energy stands uh, for many things, but essentially it stands for relationship, you know, for partnership, for for cooperation, for for to me also it stands for egalitarianism. You know, we are on the same on the same um, level. There's no discrepancy in here. And when I think about from the outside, again, I'm not an expert. I've never lived in Singapore. I've never been an employee of Disney. But when I think about those two institutions, to me, they reflect a lot of patriarchal uh, energy. And that's the term we use about the, the age of the pieces. That a lot of patriarchal energy was, was behind all of this, all the institutions that were um, working in the past centuries. But now that the, one of the veils has lifted, I think we're moving into a different, uh, a different time. And, and it's very interesting to me that uh, we talk about this kind of patriarchal um, energy because we can see the effect in the first place. Uh, in a tangible way, we can see the effect around us, all the institutions that we have, the things that we have in place, you know, an institution like the World Bank and the IMF that are, that are being challenged, you know. And so many other, the banking system, I guess, the financial system, all these things came from uh, essentially from a patriarchal um, tunnel thinking um, time. And, and we have also a tendency, I believe, of equating uh, patriarchal and male. And it's very true that the world for a number of centuries, I don't know how many, but um, for a long, long time, the world has been led, has been influenced by a lot of male energy. But it doesn't mean that all the patriarchal energy belongs to male. There could be also some patriarchal energy in, in women. And vice versa, there could be some feminine energy in men. Very much so, I guess. Again, people that are more into uh, equality, that are more into relationship, that are more into partnership. Uh, not so long ago, I was into something called Art of Hosting. Uh, it's a type of workshop where you ask a lot of questions. And I could tell that it was much more, quote-unquote, gentle. It wasn't there for teaching you something in terms of teaching you rules and, and, um, and ways about thinking. It was much more to create uh, what they call, they use the word container, like a, to create an environment where you feel comfortable expressing yourself, either in a large group or in a small group. And this kind of practice was there also to foster creativity. And I think creativity and imagination are very much um, aligned with this feminine energy. And when I talk about uh, feminine energy and the patriarchy, it's interesting because I can think at least of one example that touches us from very, very close. Where I saw in my own analysis from the outside, um, a lot of patriarchal energy at work. 
And this uh, institution is governed by um, women only. And this is, a, again, this is a simple institution. It's not a very large one. It's the, the daycare, the daycare system where our son goes. And there's a network of about five or six daycares. And the daycare where we, where our son is going is about to close. And the way this, the information was brought to us um, felt very, very top down. Uh, essentially, we got a letter in our son's basket saying that, you know, we looked at different possibilities, but uh, we are very sorry to let you know that um, the daycare will be closing in June. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking about the way this was approached. Obviously, there was a decline in enrollment since last fall. You could tell there were fewer and fewer kids. Uh, some teachers disappeared. Maybe they had a good reason to go and move to a different state, but they were not replaced. And that was very consistent since last September. And, and looking at that, you know, there, there, were, there were signs, obviously, that everybody knew. Uh, it was difficult, and the parents discussed those signs among themselves. And yet, there was no communication. So, so to me, an element of the patriarchy is to, to keep people in the dark. And that's what happened in this daycare until about a month or a month and a half ago when they finally broke the news. And when they broke the news, there was nothing we could do. I was just thinking about the next few months until June and then what goes on after June. And, and I thought it's, um, you know, it goes, it goes against the, uh, this idea of marked partnership. If they had talked to us back in the fall or back in October, you're saying, you know, that's where we are, that's the kind of situation we are facing, they could have asked the parents to, you know, to come together and find ways to, to boost the enrollment or I don't know what could have happened. But a lot of things are always possible. You have to trust, you know, human creativity. Uh, you have to trust people's imagination. You have to trust people's uh, willpower to do things. Um, human, human beings, we are human beings and we tend to be very creative. And obviously in this case, the parents care for their kids. You know, it would have been a loving, um, a loving exercise amongst the parents. They could have come together and create, um, I don't know, something like a, a group to, to reflect on the issue and, and, and five ways to, again, uh, increase enrollment and keep the, the center living. And I'm very, you know, I'm very sad in a sense that this thing happened, but um, that's the way life is. I think it's also a question of some of these patriarchal um, institutions that are meant to die because they are not well balanced from within. They are not well balanced in terms of the energies that they exude and they, they use. You know, there may be too much masculine energy or too much patriarchal energy and not enough feminine Um and I think, I think uh, based on what we are living now, uh, we are at a stage where more and more of these old institutions are going to go because they are no longer adapt adapted to what will be, what the future will be. And the future will be a lot about, about having women in power, uh, about having, um, you know, institutions led very differently on a more equal footing. And I can sense that, that we are in a time of transition. And this time is, is now, now upon us. So it's also up to us to, to seize the opportunity in a sense and, and to adjust um, our way of thinking and our way of being. Thank you. I will see you in the next segment. 
your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders, answering the higher calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giles Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Good afternoon again. This is Jill. Coming back, uh, thanks again for listening. Bef- before I go into uh, what would be considered my my next topic, uh, moving uh, you know, along this idea of um, we are our thoughts, we are much more than our thoughts, what else could we be in a sense? I wanted to say a couple of words, a few words about um, about astrology. I mentioned to you earlier that I'm not really an astrologist, and yet I have a keen interest in what goes on in those constellations, in those galaxies. And we are going for a period, I think, which is very interesting from from what I read, but obviously um, I'm not able to interpret the the phenomena. But uh, we are in the middle of a series of lunar eclipses, and we had two eclipses, two lunar eclipses, two what they call the blood moons, and if I'm correct, a blood moon is a, is a total uh, lunar eclipse, and so that the the, lun, the, the moon uh, uh, fully covers um, is fully covered, so it's a total eclipse again. And we're in a series of four lunar eclipses. There were two last year, and there's going to be two this year. Last year there was one in April 15, a second one on October 8th. And this year, we have one coming up on the 4th of April, this coming Saturday. And we have another one on the 28th of uh, September, 2015. So, a total of four lunar eclipses. And, and um, it seems to me that this is a good time for, 
again, I mentioned this transition into the, the Aquarius age, the age of Aquarius, which are much more uh, prone into those uh, feminine energies um, leading us within, from within and, and from without, from what we see in society. And um, I think this window especially is interesting because this be, between this upcoming eclipse on April 4th and then the full moon on May 4th, uh, which is also, if you're a Buddhist, you may be celebrating Vesak Day, V-S-A-K, which if I'm not mistaken, it's the, um, the Buddha's birthday. And this is supposedly every year a very important time when the, um, when the energies of the Buddhas are coming back, are coming back to us on earth, and we can benefit from those energies. And, and there's so many things, I think so many things uh, dropping off on one end and so many new things opening up to us, especially in this window between April 4th and May 4th. I think it's a great opportunity for all of us to finally let go of some things. Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what. I think it's a very personal question if you want to investigate it. But uh, in some of my meditations, you know, I, I was asking the universe, in a sense, to, to drop or let go what no longer serves me. And there are so many things, especially coming from our mind or coming from our thoughts, that are longer, I wouldn't say that they are even no longer useful. They have never been useful. You know, all these, these feelings and emotions in terms of irritability, that I've been experiencing uh, less and less fortunately, but I think these, those are anger, if you want. I mean, 10 years ago, I, find, I mentioned about my anger, uh, so-called crisis 10 or 12 years ago. And, you know, if you think about those, what purpose do they serve? They only serve to make our life somewhat miserable. And I think it's, it's time, if we haven't done so, to put all these things behind and, and to clearly embrace... Uh, a brand new age and, and, and to, to transform ourselves from within. And um, I think it's a great period again between, um, between this weekend, April 4th, and uh, the new full moon on, uh, on May 4th. What I find also very interesting is this weekend is Easter. So many uh, Christians and also Passover co coming up soon. So many Christians and Jews will be celebrating and um, possibly the resurrection of the Christ. And, um, you know, what is being resurrected in me? I don't even know if the Christ died on the cross. I think it's a question which is a different question that I'm not going to address today. But um, what is being rebirthed in me? I mean, in light of this transformation happening on earth, you know, in light of these uh, eclipses, in light of these, all of these portals um, opening up, I think these portals of I consider those portals of light. Um, they, they are asking us to to lighten our workload in a sense, and and that goes back to what I was saying: our irritability, our possibly depressed feelings. I know that depressed feelings do not go away just like this, but maybe something which is, you know putting a weight on us and, and, and making our progression difficult. Maybe it's a, it's a right time to shed that 
and to let it go and to look forward to a more, a more positive time. And possibly it's an inner process only or possibly it's something uh, we would need to work out with someone else, with a guide, with a whatever person can help you. I think I mentioned the fact that I've been working with uh, a person called Scott Smith for uh, quite a bit of time, since last July. And we've been doing a lot of uh, purification and at many different levels, uh, even levels that I don't quite understand. And this guy is a very sharp, um, not even a sharp mind or a sharp eye, but he's a very keen uh, I think he's a very keen, I call him an energy coach. Uh, he's also, I think, an energy healer. He heals with his own energy. And he will be coming on the show, um, this is an announcement, a second one, uh, on April 23rd in uh, three weeks' time. And he will be telling us a little bit about um, the kind of work that he does and how he came to do this work. And um, again, a person like him or just about anyone uh, that you would trust and that you, you know, you come to think that is uh, or she is a, a good person to work with can help us move out of this uh, old age and get, it's like the, some of the patterns that we have in our minds are like grooves in a sense. And, and they need to get, uh, to get rid of because they are not supporting our, our growth and our passage into this new era. And I think it's important that we, uh, especially during this time, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere, we are into spring. It's a time of growth. It's a time when the sap goes up. Uh, it's a time when a lot of things are happening and we are preparing for what comes next. And even if you are in the southern hemisphere, you're also preparing for what comes next. I mean, winter will be the next season. And a lot of important things are taking place in winter as well. So I wanted to bring your attention to, to, this, um, to this time, this very specific time during the next um, four or five weeks, which is a great time to, again, to reflect on what goes on in your life. What is it that you want to get rid of? And at the same time, how can you support from, from within? How can you support what goes on from without? You know, all these things that also need to die. I mentioned these institutions. Um, it could be systems. It could be, I don't know. Look around you. Obviously, our daycare in three months' time will no longer be around. And it feels almost, almost like a, a dead branch that needs to be cut. And I could find a couple more examples um, about um, groups, organizations, um, societies that need to go because they are not serving the new, the new time, the new era. And um, again, pay attention also. Um, when I keep reading about those spiritual posts, I mean, a lot of people are talking about uh, chaos, chaos going on in society. I mean, there, there's obviously accidents, there's natural disasters, um, there's a lot of plane crashes. And, um, but what goes on on a personal level? I mean, do, are you experiencing any, experiencing any kind of chaos in your life? Um, personally, I've been experiencing disturbances. I wouldn't call it chaos. Uh, but things are moving, and I, and I think they are moving in the right direction, even, even though I'm not quite sure what the direction is. I think we, are, we have to make our best, uh, put our best foot forward in a sense. And, 
and sometimes you know we go into the dark and uh, sometimes we don't quite know what will happen next and I think it takes a lot of um, it takes at time a lot of courage and a lot of trust as well to keep going and if you think about the metaphor about spelunking um, it's very much the same you know you get into a new cave maybe a bit further down underground and it's an area that you haven't explored <clears throat> excuse me it's an area that you haven't explored yet and yet and yet I say yet you know this is an area full of possibilities because there may be a new world out there for you you know for you to explore for us to explore and it could be what could it be I don't know I think it's just a metaphor that I'm using uh, to entice you to go any further any further down to dig deeper and maybe there's a there's a block that you've been feeling for a long time and um, it is a psychological block about something it could be something from the past um, I'm reminded just now about a release that I had uh, that I shared also in this show about four or five weeks ago about releasing guilt from the past the guilt that I had concerning um, the way my mother was treating us at home and the guilt that I felt um, um, towards my father because I was unable to um, to protect him in a sense and and this is gone I think that I released that uh, back in October and, and the question that comes next naturally about is you know what comes instead of that guilt that was occup occupying um, a part in me, it wasn't a thought place, but there was a space within my own being, within my own spiritual being, which was stuck, which was blocked because of that guilt that I was carrying. And I was carrying it for 40 years, or maybe 42 years. And I keep asking myself, you know, what can I do with that new space? And that goes back very much with the metaphor of the new age. What are we going to feel as a society, as a world, as a planet? What are we going to feel this new age with? And in my case, love was the answer. It was a very clear answer in my vision when I was meditating, when I was in the process of releasing on that Friday morning, I was releasing all these years of of being stuck, all these years of carrying this burden. And the same, you go into the cave, it may look dark at, at, at first, but then you keep exploring and you realize that there's a lot of gold out there, you know. It may be a cave, but it's also maybe, it may also possibly be a gold mine. So, so my message is very simple. I think it's very simple. It's been the, the same since January 8th, um, the day of my very first show. Please go within. Please look within and see what you can find. See what you discover. Explore as much as you can. Enjoy the process. It may not be all glory. Uh, there may be some tears down the road, some pain, some heartache. But it's really worth it. It's really worth. And you, you may be purging or clearing something for you only. You think that. But I'm sure I can, I can assure you that you're also clearing something for the planet. And that Gaia, planet Earth as a whole, is benefiting from the work you do and the work we do collectively speaking and uh, the work we do on our own I think it's uh, is very clear to me so I would like to end today's show by thanking you very profoundly for the work you are doing for the exploration you are 
you are undertaking and uh, I wish you courage and I wish you much light on the path, much inner light and many discoveries. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giles Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again. Music